0: Hi, I'm Beth Fuller, and you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast. I know the world can feel intimidating or scary at times, but I'm here to tell you it doesn't have to be. Through the lens of food, we can learn so much about one another, celebrate our differences, and maybe eat some tasty food along the way. Are you ready to do this? I know I am. So let's go on a food adventure together right now. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast, and I'm your host, Beth Fuller. This is episode 30. Wow, (laughs) I know I say it every time. All right, you know the drill. If you don't know the drill and you're new here, welcome. Let's learn our drill. Kidding. Don't take notes. I've taken notes for you. Go on my website, elizabethrfuller.com. I am a professional food and product photographer, and I specialize in editorial and commercial photography. So check out my work, check out my portfolio while you're there. And if you want to work together, hit me up with an email. Or if you have questions for the podcast, if you want to be on the podcast, if you want to send a voice memo with your question to the podcast, send an audio file. And I'll put you on. That's uh, let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com and tag me in all of your food adventures on Instagram at let's go on a food adventure. Okay, let's go on a food adventure, you guys. So as you guys all know or don't know or can guess from me wanting to host and produce a podcast, that I'm an extrovert. I am a I like chatting, I like being chatty. And I also like talking to new people, as you can tell, because I interview a lot of people on here. And a few months ago, I had the privilege of being interviewed by my guest today. And the other thing I like to do is think of every opportunity, whether it be someone I casually meet at the grocery store, at a farmer's market, walking in their store, talking to them as somebody interviewing me, is an opportunity to get to know somebody a little bit more. To network where can we go with this how can we collaborate together like what can we do that works well for both of us because we're meeting for a reason and that's exactly how this interview came about so my guest today was interviewing me for one of my good friends she has this incredible program called feel better no yes feel better eat better And her name is Heather K. Jones and she's just a wonderful light and a love in my life and I adore her so much. And so she asked me to do a video testimonial for her and somebody would contact me to do the interview and I said, great. And so the person who contacted me, we ended up talking for like, I don't know, half an hour. It was like one of those conversations that wasn't about the testimonial that just like time dissolved and next thing you know we're like oh my god we need to connect after this like here's my email let's he has a podcast i was like i'll come on yours you come on mine like this is so much fun and so when we were fleshing out episode ideas for the podcast he was like i have an incredible story about Crohn's." And i said tell me more and so that's today's episode we're going to talk about his journey with Crohn's. um i don't knock on wood have an autoimmune disease that I, that I know about. I thought for a minute I was um, gluten intolerant. Turns out I'm not. Well, I don't know if I'm not. I shouldn't say that. But I, um, I don't eat a lot of it um, on purpose for TMI reasons that I won't get into. But, but, but I do not have an autoimmune disease like my guest today does. So I think we should kind of jump into it okay my guest today he is a very accomplished entrepreneur an author a business coach and a podcast host his podcast the other side of being an entrepreneur is a space to have honest conversations with different types of entrepreneurs at all different stages of their career and to kind of dive into more what it takes to be happy and successful and what they do and to also to know that you're not alone in all of the struggles we all face as being an entrepreneur. So without further ado, please welcome to the podcast, Eric from The Other Side of Being an Entrepreneur podcast. Hey, buddy, what's shaking?
1: What's going on? How you doing?
0: I'm so good. It's so good to see you.
1: I know. I know. It's um, I'm excited too because we were chatting a couple of months ago. So I'm excited to be here and talk to you just kind of Answer whatever questions and just kind of go into the stories. Whatever you want to ask, I'm totally open for. But I'm really excited. I'm very you happy to be here. Say
0: this now. You say that you just <laughs> you literally just opened Pandora's box. Like yeah, okay, I, might people, ready? <laughs> yeah I might have put myself in a hole. Yeah,
1: might have put myself into a hole. But I'm I'm open. I'm willing to yeah just go where with it with I wherever you it. want to go. So I'm I'm excited for it.
0: Awesome. So I gave a little bit of intro right before we jumped on for our listeners. They kind of know you, but they don't know you know you. So Hmm. let's let them get to know you know you a little bit more. Where are you from? What do you do? Do you like long walks on the beach? (laughs) Tell them everything. Funny enough, I do like long. I do like
1: long walks on the beach. Funny enough, right? I I love I love the beach. So I sit there all day, just hang out. But um, yeah, so originally I'm from New York but not New York City with the, you know, with the accents. But I'm from New York, just north of there, grew up, was raised there, Uh, moved away, still kind of live in general, general area. And I guess you could say, grew up one of those, I guess you'd say, go to school, get a job, work hard kind of things like that mentality. And, you know, and so that's what I always was. And that's what I did. I got out of college, was able to go and do that. And at one point during that time, something wasn't right. And that didn't really sit right with me and that of working for somebody else I hated it just didn't fit right something was wrong and that led to me going venturing out on my own and trying you know, dabbling in a couple different things, failing some stuff. And, and now we're, I don't know, maybe 14, 15 years later, you know, been fortunate enough to continue wow. doing my own thing, wow. working on my businesses and trying to do that. But um, yeah, that's like the 30,000 foot view. There's a lot, I'm sure we'll, you know, kind of break some of those details down yeah, there. Yeah, for but sure.
0: Well, yeah, that's because you, I mean, the fact that you are an entrepreneur who's been very successful at doing what you do and stuck with it for the last almost decade and a half, it's, so inspiring because people don't realize when you dive into something on your own it's like this dream scenario that people are like oh I would love to not grind it out for somebody else I would love to do it for myself and then when you do do it for yourself you're like there's a lot of stuff that I took for granted that people other people were probably doing and now I have to do and holy crap and so I give you so much credit for sticking it out for 15 years
1: but we're not talking about
0: Oh yeah. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: No, it's funny. You, you mentioned the phrase grinding it out because like people, and I, I've fortunately I've been on both sides, right? I got to know what it was like to grind it out for somebody else. But then on the other side, it's more of a grind than you would think, you know, it, it, that's really kind of the word that it is so much more. Uh, it's all on you. Right. Even yeah. if you, let's say you go to a job that you hate, if you just show up, you still get paid, okay. you know, but if you're on your own doing stuff and you don't show up and you're not grinding, you don't make any money. So no,
0: you don't, <laughs> you literally everything else. don't. But we're not going to talk about entrepreneurship on this podcast. We're going to do that on yours today. We're talking about a little thing called Crohn's and Mm. it is something that honestly, I, I, it doesn't affect my body, knock on, knock on wood. So it's not something that was very much in my sphere, but I know it's something that's very much in your sphere. So what is Crohn's disease?
1: The simplest way that I can explain it is it's an autoimmune disease that hates you like everyone and it just attacks your body Uh, It affects everybody differently. But in in my case, it's like a digestive issue, intestinal, and it's kind of like a um, has a lot to do with food, eating, uh, stress management, all that stuff. And everybody it's painful, like for some people, I'm fortunate that, you know, I'm not in a lot of pain, which is great. But it just kind of eats away at you and there's flare ups like most people who have any sort of autoimmune issues. They know that there's flare ups that come with it and they put you down. You know, there's there's all kinds of stuff that's out there. There's medications and all these things, which we'll talk about in a minute. But Mm -hmm. it's it's interesting in the fact that I was where I mentioned before about the job where I was at and then I transitioned into doing my own thing, my own business. That was the issue. That was the catalyst. The Crohn's was because I was at that job and I hated that job so much. And I was more stressed than i would ever been. That's when I had come across and been diagnosed with Crohn's and it was, the catalyst was those jobs.
0: Wow. And the what a stress, gift it almost became in the end then, right? Like without it, Crohn's, you might've not taken the leap, right?
1: It, well, it's hard to say, right? We don't know, yeah, I know. Um, but I can tell you this, the job that I worked at hated it. so i knew i wouldn't be there i wouldn't be doing that <laughs> right, right but it was in some sense it was you know because it was like the matrix you either take the red pill or the blue pill you know totally. you take one of those but it was really it, it's it was an intense really intense experience it's something that i'll have to live with with the rest of my life um, but i always do question it if i didn't go through certain situations would i ever have I guess, gotten it or been triggered. I don't know. They say it's always there. They still don't know what, what causes it, but I know for me, stress was the trigger and I was the catalyst. And to this day, that's still kind of the same thing.
0: So is it something that you were born with and that Uh you have, we don't know, is it common Uh with people?
1: Great question. So when I was diagnosed with it um, again, about maybe 14 years ago, Mm -hmm. you know, people knew what it was, but it took me about a year and a half, the doctors to figure out that that's what the issue was. I mm. mean, there was so many, there's so many crazy stories in there in between trying to figure it out, but it wasn't, people knew what it was and they had specific doctors for it, obviously, and things like that. And there were medications, but they weren't specific Crohn's medications. They were what medications used for other sort of autoimmune issues that they just kind of, hey, now, if you ever watch TV- <laughs> They're
0: like, wait, you, you might have Lyme disease. Everywhere. Okay, here's a pill. Yeah. Let's try that pill for Crohn's. Yeah, you know? yeah that's yeah, exactly literally. what it was. Yeah
1: that's exactly what it was. Now, like you watch TV and it's like almost every commercial break, you'll see something about Crohn's all the time. So, you know, it's a very, I I don't know if it's a more popular thing, but it was one of those things when I was diagnosed, they said there was about, you know, half a million people, like 500,000 people in the U S were diagnosed with it, but they said there was a much higher percentage that had no idea that they'd even had it. They were just trying to deal with it in some other way, but now it's much more prevalent.
0: Wow. It's kind of almost like um, celiac when all of a sudden Mm -hmm. everyone became gluten intolerant in some part in the 2010s and celiac was like the, the new avocado. I mean, I don't want to knock anyone with celiac, but you know what I mean? Like autoimmune diseases. And it's probably just because the way that the medical profession has progressed at such a rapid rate. And with technology and everything else, we're finding out more about our internal systems and matrixes and all of that a lot easier. That's
1: a big part of it. That's a big part. But I also think too, you know, on the, on the medical side of it is, Hey, we've got some, um, we've got some medicines, where else do they apply where we can sell them? Right. Right. <laughs> you know, like, it's a, right. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, Oh wait, there's this Crohn's thing over there. You know, let's, let's, we're, let's throw this at it. Let's see yeah. if we can specifically market towards that. So I'm sure there's some of that in there too.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, what were some of your symptoms? Um, obviously, I mean, there we. It, I know, I'm sure there's some TMI up in that. So, we yeah, whatever you feel comfortable Yeah, we'll keep
1: talking. it. We'll, we'll keep some of it PG. Right. Um, so the first thing, the first thing for for me was just pain, like abdominal pain, um, like and feeling
0: of like getting punched. You don't get cramps, so like the punched in the gut kind of feeling.
1: Well, it's funny. You mentioned the cramps kind of thing, because as a long lasting effects, like, you know, the female side of it, male side of it, I'm like, I understand that, you know, like I get it because oh, for sure. Okay. at the end. So I understand that, but it was, it was just pain. It was just there. So like, let's, for example, think of a hose, right. And you know how, when you squeeze a hose, you kind of hear yep. like the water trying to strain to go through. Yep. That's the visual of what it's like. But Ooh. if you've had it kind of like what the feeling would be with something like that, that's kind of the idea. And then over time, when they don't know what it is or they don't diagnose it, it gets worse. And it basically kind of just clamps down on the intestines and different parts of the body and things like that. And it's there all the time. In my case, it was obviously when I ate. So when I ate, it was just more and more and more pain. Then because of that, you know, there's there's um, absorption issues. So you're not absorbing food. You're losing weight. I mean, I probably had lost at one point. I'm a skinny guy. I'd lost yeah, over 30 are. pounds. Well, like I was wasting away at nothing. And then the other side of it as well was the energy. And today, that's the biggest thing I struggle with today is the energy. But since, right, you have malabsorption, you're not processing foods, right? You're in pain. You don't want to eat because it hurts so much. So you're exhausted. So it it just, and it goes on. And the thing is, is a lot of times when you go to the doctors, they'll test you for everything, you know, back then, but that, because they didn't know. And the only reason they found mine is because I was in so bad, such a bad condition. I remember, I'll never forget this. It was like eight o'clock at night and I had, I had eaten a grape and I ate that grape and I couldn't stand up. Like I could barely, I was in so much pain and I was like, I had to go to the hospital. And so I went to the hospital and I was there for about a week and a half and they finally figured out there were all kinds of tests. That's how they figured out what was wrong with me.
0: So to this day, like,
1: I will never forget. That was like the last thing that I'd had for that first um, time I was in the hospital. That was that trigger that finally sent me over the edge.
0: Do you still eat grapes to this day?
1: Oh, I didn't eat grapes. <laughs> I literally didn't eat grapes until about two years ago.
0: I, I don't know if I could eat them right now. Like I would even be triggered by looking at a grape. I'd be like, no, nope, that's not for me. Mm-mm. Nope. Yeah, but
1: that's that's probably for me, one of the worst parts was is because it was such a rough. It's so bad. You're afraid of food.
0: Mm-hmm. You're afraid to
1: eat. Mm -hmm. because you don't know what those triggers are like for obviously like i knew that the grape was the catalyst that sent me over but it had been building to that point
0: oh yeah yeah you were already spinning so far deep into this that the grape was literally the straw that broke the camel's back like pun intended like yeah
1: yeah it literally did and what happened was is afterwards i'd been in and out of the hospital multiple times it got worse after that but what happened was you go in there and since your digestive system is pretty much a mess and it's destroyed. Yes, at the time and again, I don't know if it's different now, but the doctors are like, okay, we need to put you on low residue, which means basically real easy to digest, no fiber, nothing like all those healthy foods that we're supposed to eat. The doctors like, don't eat that. We need your, you know, no your gut. Just,
0: nothing, no roughage. Oh my
1: god, no, that's like sandpaper. You know, like yeah. no, no, no. And the thing that looking back it to this day, it doesn't make any sense to me is they're like, okay, we're going to put you pretty much on an all sugar diet. And like now I'm like, right. So they're like, it's okay to eat cakes. It's okay to eat cookies. It's all okay to eat all crap. the crap, all refined crap food. And I was never, I, I was never into any of that stuff. And when I was younger, I never liked it. But at that point, that's all that I could eat. Fast forward. I struggle with that stuff now because that's I, all I could eat. Cause I was so afraid to eat anything else for so oh long. Oh God. So I was like, "Mm, cookie, 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 you know, for like three years that when I found it was like an addict trying to get off of that, trying to break out of that. And what's really weird is if you understand anything about how the body works and food, sugar is a massive inflammatory.
0: Oh yeah. uh, It's like the cocaine of food.
1: Like, so why would you tell someone who couldn't eat anything to eat something that is going to make. You more inflamed so it was like again they didn't know a lot of stuff then no so it was really really an interesting process and like really interesting watching how it kind of all turned out in the end
0: so how do you manage it and maintain it now
1: so that was trial and error like you you have to overcome your fears because what i didn't mention is i was back in the hospital a couple other times Mm -hmm. um and i'll get to your question in a second yeah please when I had gone I had gone back into the hospital in really stressful time, I had moved, relationship failed, businesses failed. It's really bad.
0: Your world I, is literally crumbling around you. Was. Like might as well just burn it all to the ground at this point. It was. And yeah. this
1: this was three years after your initial diagnosis. Uh, and ugh. and what and I thought I was good. Like I didn't believe I had it. I was like, I'm fine, you know? Yeah. It, it was so bad. And I, again I'm fast forward to the point where I was lying. My mom had I was living in a few states away. My mother had come and picked me up. And brought me to a specialist because I called her crying. I was on the floor. I couldn't get off the floor. She brought me to a specialist. We get in there like, like the next day. And he's like, okay, take this medication. Come back in two weeks. I walked out of that office. We were in New York city. I walked maybe a block and I lied down on like the (gasps) the street. I just lied. Like I was like that guy. It is the New York York city
0: sidewalk. Oh God.
1: (laughs) And people are looking at me as I'm going by my mom's crying. And she's trying to call the doctors back. I can barely talk. And they're like, listen, this is what it's not going to work. We couldn't wait two weeks. Fast forward later that day, it was like five, maybe six o'clock. The doctors had called back and who I've never heard this happen. And they said, listen, we're actually going to just open up a spot for you happen at seven o'clock at night to do an MRI. Like they don't do that. Like who does an MRI, right? No. So I hobbled myself back in there. We go in the MRI. It was just this one tech there's one guy and I go in there and I hear in a speaker. He's like, all right, we got to run it through you again. So I go in through a second time. And as I'm oh. lying there and I look back, right. You see the window. There's like, it's like, you see in a movie. There's that, that tinted window. Yeah. And there was like another, like two more people in there. Right. Besides the tech. And then they pulled me back. They pulled me out <laughs> and he's like, we got to put you back in again. So it uh. was three times for MRI. This time I look in a window and it's a room full of doctors. And like, I see reflections off like glasses. The whole room is full of doctors. They get out. The guy's are like, we need to put you in the emergency room now. They wheel me to the emergency room. I get in there. They had to do emergency surgery, but I was in such a delicate condition that if they had done surgery, I would have died. <gasps> and so they didn't know what to do. And one of the doctors came in and was talking. He's like, you don't understand. Like, I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. He's like, you're very fortunate. He's like, if you would waited 24 hours, you probably wouldn't be here. <gasps> like for a doctor to tell you that, He's like, that's how serious this is. And I'm like, still, I'm like not believing it. That doctor walks out and it's a really busy New York hospital. And as he walks out, he passes somebody. I don't remember who it was. And he says, um, we need to find a priest. <gasps> and it was at that moment where I was like, oh, you know, and my mother was with me the whole time. She had happened to leave the room at that time because my sister was coming to visit. And oh, my God. And it was at that point where I was like, oh, I guess this is kind of serious. You know, I was still yeah, like, did don't right. want to believe it.
0: Like the but 24 again, hour death notice wasn't enough. They're like, no, actually we're bringing in a priest now. So I hope you believe this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it was at that moment. And I realized I was like, wow, I may not be here tomorrow. So it yeah. was like really one of those things. And they say, when you face those moments, you know, all these things flash through your mind and this is the craziest thing. And it sounds so, mm. so backwards. When I heard that, I actually felt a sense of relief.
0: Oh my God.
1: Because it would be, I would be like, I wouldn't be in pain anymore.
0: Oh my God. That's how was, bad it was.
1: That's how bad it was. And it was, it was so bad that they came in and they said, listen, this is a, a teaching hospital. We have other doctors we're teaching oh, and they're, I love those. And they're like, like, like yeah,
0: bring it on, bring everybody. In. Yeah, I'm like,
1: bring in a couple people.
0: <laughs> Show they brought tell.
1: their, they brought their entire department down. It was like, it 30, was that bad. It was, and it was like rows stacked deep on the end of the, the emergency <laughs> your- room. And yeah. like you see in the back, like a kid, like peeking over the top, trying to look in to like see a what movie. was going on.
0: Literally like a Grey's Anatomy, whatever episode. Yes. Yeah. yes.
1: Yes. That's what it was like. And so what they decided to do, and this is to answer your question, like, yeah. how do I deal with the food now? They couldn't, they couldn't operate. So they needed everything to calm down and like, they needed to like, just let things calm down. So they used what's called the pick line. It's a line that they cut open your arm, right? They insert stuff. So that way. And what they did is they hooked me up to a backpack. I was in a hospital for a long time with that. But when I left the hospital, a backpack basically with these liquids and a motor, and it just kind of fed me and I was going through. So that's what they did for about eight weeks. And then I had to go back. So I, it was no food. I didn't eat a thing. I could drink water, but it was just this machine that fed me for eight weeks.
0: Did you feel and any better?
1: I, uh, no. Well, let's put it this way. In terms of pain. Yeah. Some of the pain had started to subside because I wasn't eating right. The inflammation was going down. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I did. I felt a lot better in that, but I felt worse because I wasn't eating. Like right. I had no energy. This thing, like I peed every twenty minutes because because oh, sure. <laughs> this thing was Absolutely. just liquid. Yeah. I had to have nurses come and take care of me and do all this stuff, and it was crazy. And then about two months later, then I could have the surgery. And then, um, they did the surgery.
0: And wait, what was the surgery? What did they do for the surgery? Yeah. Like, go ahead. So,
1: what they had to do. Is they knew it was bad. Obviously, the MRIs looked at it, and they're like, they they'd never seen anything like the, the surgeons. Like, this is the worst case i would ever seen. Jesus and,
0: Christ!
1: And again, for doctors to tell you that, it's like they don't really. But you know, like when you have an entire department there, yeah. like, yeah. like you're poking and prodding, you're you're yeah. this test subject. So, the surgery they had to remove a bunch of my intestine.
0: Okay, because it was so, so degraded and inflamed and gone. And I,
1: again, I again, I didn't know any. Like, I knew yeah. it was bad, and from my understanding what they told me is when they removed it, it was the size, it, it was, you know, intestines, tiny, small thing, yeah. right? It was full into the size of a football and was like a cheese grater. So I was, all this stuff was like seeping out. It's, I won't get too graphic, but it was really bad.
0: So you almost get like sepsis. I, like I was dying. It was, you were dying. I was
1: dying. Yeah. And so they removed that and I'm like, thank you. You know, like get this. Nope. That's not the end of that. Oh no. I was in the hospital for a month after that because I had so many complications from it. What ended up happening was I had reactions to all kinds of stuff. It wasn't healing. Right. You know, like three or four days later, they want you to try and eat food. And I was like, I don't feel right. So they give you like this little icy and things like that. And they're like, yeah. eat this and I had soup and I couldn't like, I was so like, I, if you ever go in a hospital and you go in the bathrooms, they have like those emergency pull tabs in there. Yeah. In case I was in one moment, I was in there like washing my hands and all of a sudden, like, I thought I was, thought I was dying. I had to slam that. Like I was in so, so bad, like nothing was working right. So they had to go back in and do things, all kinds of stuff. I still continued to have issues afterwards, had to go back months later for follow-ups. So all of that just solidified that fear of food.
0: Oh my God. Of, yeah.
1: Like trying to eat things. What do I do? And so for years, again, it was just like, mm, cookie, 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 you know, let's, I can eat that. And what I ended up finding before that surgery, what, what didn't bother me much was like rice and I can oh, eat sure. chicken. So okay. I lived on chicken and rice, chicken and rice, chicken and rice. Yep. And that was
0: it like extremely bland, but there's only so much nutrients you're getting from boiled chicken and, well, and white rice.
1: Exactly. But what I was able to do when I had figured that out is I, I had bought a blender and I was able to wow. blend some stuff up so I could get some fruits and vegetables in that way. Mm-hmm. And so that was my, and then after all of that had gone through and you know the surgeries it took about a year and a half to recover you know with after all of that um i still ate like that for years and it wasn't until maybe i don't know three or four years later or three or four years ago from the time of recording this that um i met somebody who was a foodie who loved food and i was like boy this is challenging you know oh
0: no
1: (laughs) but it was really good in the sense that I had been in a good spot for a long time. So I was like, let me start dabbling. So I was able to start opening up the palate and start able to try different things and realize what I could eat more of. And my diet had gotten much better, much, much better from that. So today where I'm at, I still am cautious about foods and there are certain foods that I just won't eat. And there's certain foods that I'm just not able to eat but for most part, I'm fortunate enough to eat most of that stuff. So like, for example, I had chicken parm last night, which was great because cheese was a trigger for me. And I, okay. I had that and you know, I haven't had that in a while. So I was great.
0: Oh man. So how old were you when you first got diagnosed from, and and how old are you now?
1: So I'm 40 now and yep. I was diagnosed when I was 26.
0: So so we're the same age. So to go through that in your mid 20s, when in your mid 20s, you're supposed to be partying, you're supposed to be traveling, you're supposed to have no cares in the world, you don't have kids. And you're like, Nope, I'm literally dying in a hospital in New York for the next three fucking years, literally, right? Like, so up until you weren't feeling good until your early 30s.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, so it's again, I'm, I'm condensing this story. Yeah, like it's sure. literally, sure. it's multiple books, but so I, I was diagnosed the first time when I, I told you about that job. I hated mm-hmm. Yeah, Um, that was the trigger. I literally just quit that job. Um, funny side note, if you remember back to 2008, 2009, when the oh, yeah, financial the crisis,
0: oh, yeah, big time.
1: I had left, I had worked at Lehman brothers, which was the, Perfect. that was the business before that had triggered all of that. And I yeah. left like seven months before the whole crash. So right after that, that's when I was diagnosed. And then I had the window of like three years or so. That was really good. And then I started that business. I mm. moved, met somebody that fell apart. And that's when everything had gone downhill when I was about 30. Okay. And then all like the surgeries and all that stuff were like the next year, two years yeah, um, mm. over that. So it really was, I had a good phase of like two years between there where I was fine. Yeah. And then it was just all of that put together. And the craziest <sighs> thing of all of it is mm. like, you go through something like that and you realize how finite life is, yeah. you know, you realize you face your own mortalities. And a lot of times they say it changes your life and you do things very differently. And, and I did, but here's the thing that really kind of, it, 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 screwed me up in a bad way. Um, it screwed me up in the fact that when I was done, instead of me learning, like, all right, I got to take things and relax a little bit, not stress so much over stuff. I realized how short life was. I worked even harder. Of course. Of and course, I just went course. even harder and that made it worse. Of right. Course. So then when it came to food, it just made me avoid foods that much more. It made me avoid everything that much more. And all I cared about was working, 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 because now I want to achieve things, you know, and then be able to get there and be able to celebrate and, and then eat whatever I could and enjoy life. Yeah. But yeah. only do that once I achieved everything. And that right. wasn't right. Right. So now, was-
0: yeah. So it seems like one of the most positive things that has come out, if we're going to try to like, you know look at the silver lining of this and again we're condensing this down i know there's a lot 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 more to this is that Crohn's has given you a gift of being a little more mindful being slower relaxing more and as much as life is we're on this this blue green marble for such a blip in time and time is like the most precious commodity that we all have collectively together it's given you a new appreciation for enjoying and savoring, literally pun intended, every moment that you have, right? And I can't even, I mean, I literally can't even imagine the fear that, that in the mental trauma that you have from this that, that you're working through and have worked through in, in, in a beautiful way. But it seems, I mean, is there any other positive things that Crohn's has given you?
1: Well, the first thing, and it's funny, you mentioned like the, the trauma side of it. The funny thing is, is still to this day, I still don't feel like, I still don't believe that I, I have it. And I, I think okay. that it, it, the mindset that I had, I think believing that is also what kept me alive. Absolutely. So it, it in one sense, it keeps that mindset stronger. And it's mm-hmm. also made me as a person hyper aware of like just being more conscious, more aware of life, more aware of a lot of things and more, more aware of myself. And honestly, more aware of what a lot of times what other people's struggles are, whatever mm. it is, like being more receptive to that and, and understanding because, you know, we all have our own challenges and, and it's really just been, like, I, I used that reference before the analogy to the matrix, you know, I took that pill and now I just see things very differently because of that. Mm-hmm. And that was a that's I felt that that was a gift in that sense. Yeah. Um. And I I really do like now. It's funny like if I eat something now, sometimes people be like, "Man, this food is cold." I'm like, I, well, I'm just glad I can eat it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if it's a piece of broccoli and it's cold. I'm like, man, that is amazing raw broccoli that I can eat right now. Right.
0: I God, I can't eat a food is such. I live such a food centric life that it would be. Oh my God, it would be the most it's, heartbreaking thing to have to deal with that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, and that's where it's funny where um, I, I knew things at one point were better. It was, it was a birthday in a family, and we were, I was like, what are we going to do for this? You know, it was my sister. What are we going to do for a birthday? And it's like, let's do a food tour in New York City. We'd never done one. Oh God. And, and it was all the things. It was all the things I couldn't eat, yeah. it, everything I couldn't eat, but I was, it wasn't about me. Right. It was, yeah. I was like, I'm fine. Let's go. And we went out, and I was like, well, let me try and i had food from every piece of that and i had no issues and i'll never forget that because of how grateful i was for that moment and how much i was like to have a little like little mozzarella ball
0: yeah cheese yeah. from a
1: cheese shop it's such a powerful memory right now how good like just thinking about that and how good that was right now yeah the appreciation for food that i have is through the roof now it's through the roof now and i still eat kind of just to survive but when i have those types of things it's like, man, that is amazing. It's, it's amazing. so
0: true. And like, to me, food connects us all in such a beautiful way that like, like you said, it wasn't even just the ball of mozzarella, even though it was, it was also being with your family, that experience with your sister going to the city, showing them around yep. again. Yep. And like those memories get tied into food or like a song that you hear on the radio and you like, it brings you right back to that love and, and everything yeah. and to have that ripped away from you for so long. It, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But We have some listener questions. Do you want to dive into them?
1: Oh, for sure.
0: Okay, so Kevin from Instagram asks: I recently was diagnosed with Crohn's, and I'm planning a trip to Italy in the fall. I'm worried about having flare-ups when I travel. Do you have any tips for what to do when you're traveling and get a flare-up?
1: Oh man, that's a great question. So I have to default. I'm not a doctor.
0: Don't <laughs> <Right>? sue us. <laughs> you're not a <laughs> medical professional. So here's
1: the here's only just a speaking quick side from note. experience. Yes, oh, this is ex- my experience only. I'm not a doctor, not a lawyer, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Somehow, I'm very blessed in the fact that because of how I I'm, I'm able to do and eat certain things that a lot of people I know with Crohn's are not able to do. For whatever reason, this, however serious it was, I'm still I'm able to go out and eat. I can exercise like a madman. I'm fine. Yeah. It doesn't cause flare-ups. In his case, because I remember having to do that, it's tough because you have to think and plan out like what you're gonna do. So in my experience, what I would do, especially if it was a place I didn't know anybody or like he said he's going to Italy, Mm -hmm. it's a pain in the ass, but I would just look at the restaurants I would plan ahead and -hmm. I would say, where do I need to eat? What what can have things that I can eat and kind of build things around that? Like, it really is not fun to do that. But if you want to have an enjoyable experience and not worry about that while you're there, that's what I had to do. And Mm -hmm. so... And if I knew people, it was easier because they'd be like, here's the deal. This is what we're going to eat. But I would research it. And I would literally go through the menus of restaurants and look at that. And just, but mo- for me, most places always had chicken and always yeah. had rice. So I could yeah. always find that. Yeah. So in his case, I would just say, you know, plan ahead, look for those places, plan your food around that, um, and just relax, enjoy yourself because you don't need to be stressed when you're something like that worrying about the flair.
0: Right. Know, you know? Right. So
1: just, just have enjoy it.
0: Enjoy it. Alana in Chicago writes, what are some of your favorite recipes to make on a Crohn's diet?
1: Oh, see, here's the thing. I'm not a foodie now. Like no? I never really was. So I'm very, very simplistic. And this sounds so crazy, but there were two things that once I realized I could eat it are my favorites now. And it's maybe not really a recipe because I'll just go out and get it. Pizza. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I sure. Yeah. I mean,
0: come on now.
1: Because that was another time into the hospital that was a trigger food for me that sent me there. But the other thing, I'll never forget this just a good salad. I remember creating and making Mm. a salad for the first time and being really nervous and sitting down and eating that for the first time. I can remember every single bite of that.
0: Oh, what was in your salad?
1: It was very plain. Because again, I I didn't want to overdo it. Like my favorites, I love tomatoes. So obviously, tomatoes, tomatoes, cucumbers, just regular lettuce, or maybe some spinach leaves in there. And it had to be very simple because I didn't want to overdo it. Right. And, that, and that's what it was. And I was put, able to put some salad dressing on it. Amazing. So for recipes, I know those aren't recipes. No, very- the,
0: that's great though.
1: But for me that right now, and like, I'm thinking about it, I'm visualizing it, the sensation right now, the feeling, yeah. those really were like the two big things for me.
0: And I love pizza and I love salad and I will even put salad on top of pizza. You when go. i get it it's oh, so good yep. and she's in chicago <laughs> she's got tons of pizza not my kind of pizza no no, no judgment on chicago yeah style yeah, pizza, new york new york chicago I'm pizza york that's war now. right there yeah no <laughs> um okay julia in ontario writes i was recently diagnosed with celiac and i'm finding it really hard going out to eat what was your experience and experience like going out to eat we kind of just touched on that with kevin but, but, but that's a
1: good one to cover yeah. because that so there were moments like any time when you have those that, like anybody, we're human. We feel down a little bit about yeah. it. So you'd go out to eat, and literally you look at everybody's plates, and you're like, "Oh, oh yeah. God, that looks so good." Plate envy's so a real then, thing,
0: even without Crohn's disease. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Right. So you're looking at everybody's amazing meals, and then you're like, oh, "This little, this little thing."
0: <laughs> Chicken you <know?"> and rice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, yeah.
1: I mean, and literally, I'd sit there and be like, "This sucks," but, but. I was again, I was grateful that I could eat and I was alive. So that's how I always approached it. Yeah. But in her case, you know, when you're going out and you're doing that, it really is mentally preparing yourself to be to do that because you're going to be around other people who can eat whatever. And what I found is sometimes the other people actually feel bad. And you don't want them to feel bad wow. during that experience. Yeah. And it happened almost any time, especially where there's a group dinner, they would see what someone put in and they're like, oh, I feel so bad. I shouldn't be I'm like, no, I'm good. Just enjoy it. So in her case just mentally prepare yourself, be know what you're going to have and what you're going to eat ahead of time and focus on the experience of being around the other people and enjoying that company, enjoying that conversation and enjoying because that no matter what you can eat, that's going to enhance what you're eating. Even if it's something that's really plain or bland that no one else really wants to eat, it's going to make it that much better for you. So that was a huge flip for me. And once I got that, I was fine. Like I go out and I don't even care at that point. I just was happy to be out with people and having a good time.
0: Like what a great, reframe and you and i know each other from another program and a a wonderful wonderful friend of ours heather k jones who specializes in um eating with love and and Mm -hmm. things like that and i think when heather listens to this she's going to be very impressed with what you just said because i was very impressed (laughs) with what you just said because It's literally exactly, it was such an aha moment for me when you just said that, because it's literally filling your cup in a different way, because a lot of us, when we go out to eat, we put so much emphasis on the food, on Mm. the seared scallops, on filling our cup with the entertainment of being out with the food. And we don't necessarily focus on as much on the people around us and being alive and being in that moment. I even a lot of times will be like, I don't have to do these dishes. I am thrilled to be out, not having to clean up or plan or cook. And like, but it's also I really do love that you focus more on the experience of being alive with these people than of course a car alarm's going off, then um the food itself. And yeah. that's putting yeah. emphasis on what it should be, you know, in a way. Yeah. So I that's beautifully yeah. said. Well, beautifully it's interesting said.
1: you mentioned that too, because I never I didn't even realize I thought of it that way. And now that you're saying this and we're discussing it just yesterday, a friend of mine had recommended like, Hey, what was that restaurant we ate at? And my immediate visual, when I said to him, I was like, Oh, you remember it was on a lake. I remember the time that we had and what it looked like. It wasn't even anything about the food. It was about the experience that was there. Like, and it's funny. I didn't even realize that that's how I reframed that. It's just, I started doing it and it's become automatic. So I think that's a really important part for anybody who's dealing with any sort of food issues um, anywhere. Just focus on the, the whole experience, not just the food.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, beautiful. Devin in Arizona writes, and this is kind of tying into Julia's question too. I'm vegan. And sometimes when I go out to eat and order a meal that's supposed to be air quotes vegan, but then it comes to the table with butter or mayonnaise or something that isn't a thousand percent vegan. And I always feel bad sending the food back because I can't eat it. Do you have any tips on what you have done? If that has ever happened to you with this problem?
1: So there's an easy way to fix that. Um, and that happened all the time. So and at times it was frustrating because, you know, I, I literally couldn't eat it. So what I realized is they'll bend over backwards. And it, this is a kind of a weird thing. No restaurant. I knew someone who worked in the industry, like very deeply. No, nobody wants their food returned. No chef, nothing. They don't want no. that. They're, they're not happy. But they can never argue against somebody who has some sort of issue with the food in terms of a medical condition or an allergy. Oh, yeah. So if they bring some yeah. Exactly. So if they bring it out, you know, even, I would approach it. I wouldn't tell anybody at the restaurant that you're vegan or anything like that. Just order the food and if, tell them none of this. If it comes out with that, just be like, um, I actually have a medical condition and I have an allergy to this, whatever it is on the food. I was like, would you mind? I, I don't want to have any issues. Can you mind just fixing it so it's not there and we don't have any issues? They'll be like, sure thing. And they'll oh, bring yeah. it back out and they'll come back and they'll keep following up and checking to make sure everything was OK. Perfect. So that was a little trick of the trade that I kind of had figured out.
0: I love that. That's awesome. Um, okay. Viola from Facebook rates. I have Crohn's and if I'm being honest, I feel like I fear food. Viola, i Sounds that. familiar. I know. Right. I'm not sure if you went through the same thing or something similar, but how did you overcome it?
1: So that that's where I mentioned the, the overcoming, it was very challenging. It wasn't until I had met somebody that pushed my boundaries with it because I needed that, um, because I was so afraid to have anything that I was going to set something off again. Um, but when I knew I was in a good phase, like if I knew I wasn't in the middle of flare up and I had been feeling good for a consistent amount of time and this person, they were be like, all right, let's go do this. And I'd be like, you want to try that? I'm like, but I would try one little small thing. It would be enough. Like they wouldn't push me and go do it. They let me be, but it was enough where if I was in a good spot, I would eventually try it. So my recommendation would be, Make sure you're in a good spot. Again, I'm not a doctor, Mm -hmm. but make sure you're Mm -hmm. in a good spot and surround yourself with people who are understanding of it. And, you know, someone who can nicely maybe push you a little bit to try something, just try really small because you'll never know unless you try. Mm -hmm. So just try that little piece there. And if you're good with it, great. Then don't do it again next day, you know, give it a little bit and try it again, maybe just a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. And luckily now fortunate in a good phase. I can eat most foods and not have to worry about that. And now that's what worked for me.
0: I love that. Pierce from Instagram writes, I have a friend who has Crohn's and he can't drink alcohol. Not sure if you can drink or not, but if you don't, what are your go-to drinks to have when you're being social around everyone who is drinking?
1: Great question. So I know alcohol is a big trigger for a lot of people with Crohn's. Early on, I was never big i've never been a huge drinker well before i got sick i could party enough in my 20s to last sure. a lifetime right sure. so we I, all I don't do. really drink yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> but i've never been a big drinker past that and so that never really was too much of an issue for me so i could have a few drinks here and there and never bother me but now like if i have a drink i'm like oh you know because i'm older and it doesn't oh, good. stop it,
0: doesn't it we're both good. the same age but yeah i know hangovers are no but it, now parties. it's just yeah, one of those things
1: it's like anything with it. It's just kind of moderation. Like if, if it's something that triggers him, then I hate to say it, you know, probably not the best idea to continue trying to drink that stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I don't mean go around and keep sampling different alcohols to find what works. It's like, yeah. get yourself into a good spot first. Don't overdo it. Find something that maybe is really light and easy. Um, but for me, I still, I feel bad pretty much when I drink anything, it doesn't cause flare ups, but I never feel good drinking it. So I generally just kind of stay away from it. I loved ciders, love oh, ciders, Oh
0: sure.
1: but they bloated you up so bad. Yep. The sugar in there was really bad. Yeah. So, um, you know, I could do a little bit of wine and I'd be okay, but nothing heavy. Like, so again, I couldn't talk for their experience, but definitely if it's something that's flaring, I would step away from it. Mm -hmm. for a bit to just make sure that it's the right kind of thing. Do
0: carbonated beverages that are non-alcoholic also set, can, can flare people up or is it really the alcohol? That's,
1: that's the crazy thing about Crohn's is every single person is different. different. So whatever food triggers me could be perfectly fine with someone else. Like there are people like that be triggered off the most simple thing like rice, but Mm -hmm. rice has no issue. I have no issue with it.
0: So random. It is.
1: And that's what makes it really hard to treat. Um, and then the great thing is about like, if you have a specialist for it, the um, in, in the right place, they do have like specific nutritionists with it mm-hmm. as well. And mm-hmm. they're really good at finding, okay, like, let's do a food diary, do this, 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 and this what you can eat. Okay, and then they'll help build and craft a plan based around that. And some people it's really extreme, like in my case, where I could only eat one or two things, but as yeah. I got better we can do that. And that's what I would recommend people who are having those issues to keep a food diary, watch that closely, definitely find some sort of nutritionist that has experience in dealing with this, um, because that will make your life a lot easier. But I think part of it is too, is just everything's different trigger. But I think my experience, the biggest trigger is stress for most people. So if you're stressed and you're going to eat while you're stressed, that's going to make it even worse.
0: Yeah. No kidding. And it really does sound like patience, patience with this and being kind to yourself and just trying to, like you said, reduce as much stress as possible. And just it's unfortunately, it's not a sprint. It literally is a marathon and it's one bite or step in front of the other and just going slow.
1: Yeah. You don't want to chew more, chew off more than you can, you know, we're so punny
0: today, buddy, you and me, we've got (laughs) like the punny dad joke. (laughs) All right, we're wrapping up. So what are you making right now at home? I know you're not a big cook, but are you still right. with your, your person that is pushing you to Or always?
1: Yeah. She's been great yeah. in terms of helping with a lot of that. Um, but like I said, yesterday was chicken parm spaghetti. <laughs> so,
0: you know, now
1: I'm not going to lie. Like I'm also a health nut. So my business is and stuff are related health and fitness. So mm-hmm. I work out, you know, I, t- I try to eat as good as I can, but I will have a cheat day or weekend, I guess you could say, sure. and it was a cheat weekend. So I'll just go through in terms of what I ate this weekend Yeah, and it sounds horrible, but I eat so strict during the week. So I had, let's do yesterday. I woke up, I had a smoothie, which was okay. a fruit smoothie, right? Lots of sugar, but I felt great having that. Peanut yep. butter was yep. in there. Um, I had bananas. I threw spinach in with that uh, avocado. Yeah. And then for lunch, I treated myself. I had golden grams.
0: Oh, I love <laughs> golden grams. I, love golden I haven't grams.
1: had them in so long. Yep. Threw in some almond milk in there, had golden grams and Instead of just one bowl, I probably had four or five. That was just, just because. No I was, judgment.
0: No, nope. like <laughs> so I said, That's the whole box. No judgment.
1: Um, and then I didn't eat anything. And then I had spaghetti. And made, you know, some chicken parm, heavy on the mozzarella cheese. And then from there at night, I wanted a little dessert. And I was so full. But I was like, you know uh, what? Yeah. Let me take a couple stabs of peanut butter. And I just took a couple spoonfuls of peanut butter and just ate that. <laughs>
0: <Can> you <laughs> so, up in the kitchen doing it too?
1: Yeah. Just standing there with a jar. Yeah. So like that, Classy. that's terrible. That's, but also one of the foods that didn't bother me for a long time was peanut butter. So that yeah. helped me, but yeah. that's what it was. And the night before I had a really large ice cream sundae, that was one of the other foods that I could never have. <laughs> so like when I live it up now, <laughs> I live it up. Like this was a, yeah. a, a fully large vanilla ice cream sundae with extra everything, extra hot fudge, extra peanut butter, extra Reese's pieces, extra, you name it, cherries. So wow, that was, that was what, my cheat weekend look like. Um, wow! But, so looking forward. Normally though, it's very simple. It's like I'll prop. I'll have chicken tonight. Um, yep. The other alternative, I'll do a lot of turkey, a lot turkey. of lean meats. Um, I'm either going to have quinoa tonight or brown rice, and I'll probably mix it up with some vegetables. Try. I love broccoli. I can eat it now, so I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll probably do broccoli. or I'll have some fresh green beans tonight, and if not, then I'll do that tomorrow night. But that's it's very simple. It's not fancy people hate that but that's what I enjoy and that's what helps me so that's where I'm going
0: I think that's awesome and the fact that I mean like man when you go off the rails with food you go off the rails with that that I can
1: well I'll I'll put it this way I felt horrible yesterday morning when I woke up like yeah (laughs) because I ate so bad it felt terrible yeah but I'm so strict with my food and exercise and routine I'm very clean with how I eat I enjoy myself when when I'm not on that
0: we're only here for a short amount of time. You deserve exactly. it. So promote yourself. How can people find you? How can they get a hold of you?
1: Yeah. Easiest way is if people want to find me, just go on social media. It's Eric Rokich. You can just search that and Facebook and contact me with any questions there. Uh, you can also search one of my websites, just ericrokich.com. You can learn a little bit more about me. There's a story. I actually have my story more in depth written out in a book as well. So mm-hmm. it's called the uh, entrepreneurial identity crisis in the beginning of the book talks about this in more in depth. Um, so people can go there and check things out, but if people have questions, or really just want to reach me, Facebook is probably the best bet. Just search me out there and you can find me there.
0: Awesome. I'll link everything in our show notes. Last question, my friend. So, yes. I mean, I always phrase it this way, but COVID's really not a thing anymore, but if COVID wasn't a thing and you had oodles and oodles and oodles and noodles of money, where are you going and what are you eating?
1: Well, right now, I mean Hawaii, right now. Oh, yeah, love Hawaii. I've been talking about going back there for so, like, um, so it would definitely be in Hawaii, um, or I would be in Cabo, because I think of Cabo because of the food. So mm-hmm. the best on that, maybe it's because they, you know, the chicken was alive before and then it wasn't when I ate it. But <laughs> maybe that's why. But I will say this: there were two places I ate in Cabo one really fancy rich restaurant food was amazing. And then this little shack of a thing on the side, they
0: the best, the best. And
1: then I had this burrito and tacos. Unbelievable. It's still to this day, the two best things I've ever had oh were the God. food there in Cabo It was like this little chicken burrito. And then this, this rice and chicken meal that I had at this restaurant there, if it were in Hawaii, oh, I couldn't even begin to tell you. There's so many there. I just needed yeah. the location, but that's probably would be one of those two places. And those awesome.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm coming up. My bags are packed. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. It was so good to see your face and I can't wait to see you again soon.
1: I know. Thank you for letting me come on share the story. We appreciate it. And hopefully some things help some people.
0: I think you helped a lot of people. All right, my friend, take care. I'll see you soon. All
1: right. Take care.
0: Bye. Eric, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story about Crohn's and your journey with it I will link all of Eric's information in the show notes elizabethrfuller.com check him out work with him on any level check out his podcast he's an amazing human and someone I could talk to for hours I kind of already did and I would continue to if you have questions for the podcast culinary sleuthing or you want to work with me let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com and as always tag me in all of your food adventures at let's go on a food adventure on Instagram It's been a blast, you guys. Have an awesome weekend. Lead with kindness and make some yummy food for one another. And I'll see you next Friday. Bye.